Welcome to Everything is Annoying. I'm your host, Aviva Yael. Today, we are going to be talking to my genius friend, Saida Blount. She used to run NPR's live music programming for years. She's now at Sonos in charge of events and special projects. She runs their beautiful music space in New York City. And we're going to talk to her about music and things that drive her crazy. I find her personally really inspiring, um, both her career trajectory. I get all my news from her. <laughs> She's uh, Her Twitter feed is basically a hilarious and smart stream of topics that range from new music to trash TV and, of course, politics politics and racism. So right before we get into Saida, I need to do some housekeeping. Um, first, we started a Patreon. So if you like the podcast, please come and subscribe and support us. There's three tiers. You can be a Bernie Sanders, a Franly Blitz, or Larry David, which they're uh, tiered in the entry level is Kibitzer. Then you can level up to being a Kvetcher, or you could be the coveted Kvetch Lord in which you get more participation in the show. and extra special content and discounts and all that stuff. Um, check it out and give us some love. We're at patreon.com slash everything is annoying. We also, and we also have a newsletter called the weekly gripe that I hope you enjoy. And then I have been told by the networks that were out pitching that I need to build up my Twitter following. So if you have been following me for a long time or you're one of my friends, you know that I accidentally, I went off social media and I accidentally deleted, deleted, my Twitter feed permanently, which was like losing my firstborn child. And, um, I don't, I'm like, I just am trying to get back into it. I don't even remember who I was following, but that's where I like to be. Like when I'm on the internet, I enjoy being on Twitter. I like it a lot more than Instagram. So please find me over there. We can gripe, bitch, talk shit, all that stuff. My Twitter handle is Vevers, V-E-E-V-E-R-S. We also have an Instagram, which is Obviously, everything is annoying and same name on Clubhouse. Um, I signed up for Clubhouse. I still don't know if it's real, but I think I want to do some live bitching sessions. Um, maybe talk to some of the fans of the show. We'll, we'll, we're going to we're going to do some stuff, but I'm over there. So please find me everywhere. Um, if you love the show, please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. If you hate the show, I love that you're hate listening. Like I see you, but, um, be nice. Don't, don't be one of those like losers who leave, who actually leaves negative Yelp reviews. Like who are you? Um, and, and, and take it from me. Like I'm a, I am a professional hater, but I'm nice. Like I don't feel the need to shit on people directly. <laughs> Or anonymously, I try, you know, it's hard to make things. It's not that hard to make podcasts, but it's hard to make things. Take it easy. Continue hate listening. Um, I hope that you get what you want out of it. I hope that it it, it's, it settles your um, your hate. I mean, I know the feeling. I, I, I know it. So, um, all right, let's let's get into the show. I'm going to start with my gripes. I only have two this week. So this first one is very LA specific, but just hear me out. It's Culver City. So people who don't know what Culver City is, you don't live in LA or you've never heard of it, which you probably, there's no reason why you should have heard of this place. Um, 
the city itself doesn't really annoy me. It's sort of a no man's land. It's like a transitional neighborhood. There's family homes. There's a couple of art galleries and there's some like, but, but it, it, it is extremely gentrified. Like it feels like the Westfield mall. There's no vibe. Um, it's not, everybody's like, it's not basic bitch in that like innocent Disneyland, Starbucks, like Christian girl autumn way where you're like, Oh, you guys are like, you don't know. Um, it's more like the annoying kind of basics who are into like grayish floors. Like I imagine every house in Culver city has a grayish floor, you know, it's very folkish, volkish. It's very kinfolk magazine, you know, that kind of annoying ass, um, white basic, but <clears throat> no offense to anybody that lives there. I actually have a couple friends over there. It's a very nice place to live. It's not for me. Your houses, I promise you are nicer than my house in West Hollywood. Um, but that's not even my beef with Culver city. Like it's totally fine. It's like a normal, nice little family town. Okay. My problem is with the name like Culver. Um, I don't even really think about the city too much, but it's like, you know, when you keep meeting someone over and over, but you always forget their name and you don't understand why it happens with this, this particular person, but it does happen. Right. So that's, it's just, they just leave no mark. Their faces are water. It draws a blank. You know, that's sort of what Culver city is like to me. I don't really engage with it, but it's when I do, it's just completely unremarkable. And and my beef is just, it's, it's the name. So Culver, Culver city to me, Culver sounds like a sick liver. It's like liver, but then you're calling it. So you're calling a liver. And that's literally the visual that I get when I'm driving down the 10 and I have to pass a sign that says Culver city. Like I, can't, I cannot deal with it. I, I, I literally think of somebody in the 1800s calling out a liver from a dead body. <laughs> So if I have to suffer, so do you. Okay. I hope everyone in LA hears this, who lives in LA hears this and, and I've cursed you all. Um, and there's like a lot of things that I hate about the ling English language, but calling is definitely one of them, that word. And then liver, who came up with this word? It's disgusting. Like it's disgusting. And I'm a Jew. Like we eat chicken liver. That's like part of our main cuisine, but I am telling you, it's just, it's so gross. And it was named after this man named Harry Culver from Nebraska. So I kind of feel like, you know, this is an early example of like people being too afraid to like speak up to like a rich white man. Like no one could have said this isn't a good name for a new city, Culver City. It's not even a city, by the way. It's like a suburb. It's like a subdivision, actually, um, I think. You know, but I mean, if they had called it like Harry City, at least it would have been more fun and like jazzy. Culver, no. Stop, stop being quiet, you guys. We got to stick up for ourselves. We have to. All right. So that's not really a cool hill to die on, I guess. Okay. But then my second gripe is um, statues. Like, we don't need any more statues. So they just recently unveiled the Greta. Thunberg statue, please Google it. Like if you're driving in your car, pull over and Google the image search of it. It is, she looks 90 years old. She looks like she's been through two world wars. Um, I don't know how it's honoring her. It's the most uninspiring 
thing. It looks like it's like worse than that Melania structure in Slovenia. That's like that looks like, you know, a, a wooden Lego of her. I mean, it's terrible. It's horrible. And and and, you know, just just in general, like I don't get statues. I understand that they're hard to make. I understand that there are like some part of this Anglo-Saxon tradition that Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these fucking idiots, Paul Gosar and all these disgusting losers that look like Cabbage Patch Kids that work in our Congress are fighting for. But I don't care. Like end statues. Have you like, have you ever walked up to a statue and just been like, wow, I have to stand here and stare at this. I can't move. I'm frozen. I'm, I'm overcome with emotion or even like, wow, I feel something, anything at all. I, ne- I mean, y- y- no, because it's a dead lifeless carving from a, like an element. I mean, it's completely uninspirational. They're, uh, they're also extremely expensive to make and put in like our tax dollars are going into these public structures. Like l- l- we have so many things and uh, so many options, so many beautiful ways to honor people. We don't need a statue. You want to see a beautiful statue? Go to a museum that has robbed any number of countries from Greece to Egypt and go look at something beautiful. You don't need a public statue in a square. No one's ever. I'm from New Orleans, the French Quarter. We had um, <laughs> we had Andrew Jackson. I never looked up at that thing once in my life and was like, wow, this is beautiful. I, I think I'm going to read about the civil war and how we overcame the Confederacy, you know, <laughs> anyhow, that's it. My, I have trite, trite complaints this week. So we're about to welcome Saida to the podcast, but I just want to make a quick note that the sound on this one is a little bit messed up. It's kind of echoey. It's kind of tinny. Please bear with me. Uh, We had technical difficulties that were solely my fault, but I have since upgraded my equipment and it will not happen in future episodes. And hopefully when everything completely reopens, I can get back into the New York Sonos studios where I originally recorded as well as the Anchor slash Spotify studios that they so graciously lent me for the podcast. All right, let's go. I'm so excited to talk to you because you are one of the funniest people that I know. And, um, and also you're just like a, you know, an absolute music guru. So, you know, I just want to kind of introduce you to everyone let, and by letting uh, you tell the people what you do. My name is Saida. I'm a originally born in the Midwest, but now live in New Yorker. Um, and I am a music content marketing and curation person personas but you have like a really you know you have a really cool pivotal job there um that's different from the one that you got when you started promoted yeah it's really interesting it's like you know i started mostly doing general marketing and events and activations and kind of just thinking about the brand in different ways and now I'm working expressly on our newest platform, Sonos Radio, which is basically about the love of music and rediscovering really cool music and how to listen to it in different ways. So I'm really stoked that 
my job got to at least evolve, excuse me, in a direction that makes a lot of sense to who I am and what I love. Totally. How do you make your decisions? I mean, I'm sure you're getting pitched stuff all day and it's like a whole team effort, but like, how do you come up with events and content and who to work with and how to program and, and how to just how to build a radio station? I actually don't know anything about the, the, the behind the scenes of that. Yeah. You know, we really got into the idea of what does it look like to listen to music now? Like, what are the elements that we like the best? It always comes down to those moments of music discovery. Like, we really love the idea of the surprise and delight or finding something that you listen to when you're a teenager and rediscovering it again or new stuff from an artist in a new way. So, you know, what I curate that comes from the gut that I'm kind of like, all right, is this something that I would be really stoked to sit around a dinner table with some friends and it pops on and we're all listening to it? Or does this person need a voice? Like we've really made a commitment to making sure that like BIPOC people of color and young voices and people who deserve their flowers while they're still alive, get a chance to amplify their voice. That's really important to us as well. So that's where I've been really happy in my curation. That's my point of view. And then a lot of it is just things that sound interesting to my ear. I have a really weird ear. Um, I love listening to world music and global beats and creepy and weird sounds mixed in with beautiful melodies. So um, put all that in like a, in a blender and mix it all up. And that's kind of my taste in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I kind of know you as like just a straight up eighties goth um, and like punk kid, I guess, in terms of your musical taste. Like I don't think too many days go by without like a Bell and Sebastian reference on your Twitter feed. Um, yeah. You know, you're always, you know, you're always bringing out the classics, but then I just saw the other day that you've been, you know, paying close attention to like women and uh, black women in country, which I find so interesting. And I'm super excited about that you know, genre right now, actually, because I, I love country, but, you know, I don't relate to most of it because I'm Jew. But like, <laughs> now it's, it's some, of the, some of the old country is just so beautiful. And I, think I know I find, um, you know, I only kind of recently started reading about black cowboys and that kind of, you know, more American historical culture of it. So it's just so cool to see how it's being translated, you know, today in, into our, into our pop culture and stuff. So I'm keeping my eye on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting. It's, you know, I've all, I grew up in the Midwest, like I mentioned, and my dad loved country music and, you know, as a kid, you're like, Oh my God, that's so corny. And like <laughs> my dad would totally like show up in like big cowboy hats. And like, he had like belt buckles that were like the size of steering wheels. And you find <laughs> that just all so embarrassing when you're a kid. And I was like, I don't want to listen to this twangy stuff. And especially like you mentioned, yeah, I definitely was like a eighties MTV kid. And totally paying attention to like what was always new and what was cool. But you kind of turn back to that and you realize that it's just really beautiful storytelling in a lot of that old country yeah. and um, a lot of really beautiful melodies and just stuff from the heart. And you also just can't displace that 
African-Americans have a place in that and black people helped create this and brought this, I mean, instruments that are played, the guitar and the banjo, the banjo and things like that are from Africa. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just important to me that for people that want to express their culture through that, like different artists like Adia Victoria and Nikki Guyton and um, uh, I mean, it's just important to them to pay tribute to how they grew up and what they listened to and our culture. So giving that space to amplify uh, their voices is a privilege, I think. That's so cool. I am so glad that you're like, your job is so, I would say globally, but definitely nationally coveted. Like it's just one of those like tastemaker jobs where, sorry to say the word tastemaker, I'm a boomer. (laughs) Um, But it is really just kind of one of those jobs where you're actually responsible for what millions of people hear. And it's such a, it's such a key role. And I'm just so glad that you have the keys to that because you are such a natural curator. You're a little picky puss, but you have like, you're not a hater. You're like, you have a good attitude and you have an open ear. So I'm just so glad that you have that responsibility and that they've entrusted you with that because, you know, you know, also like no offense to Sonos, but like I pay attention to Spotify from a copywriting perspective because I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm very deeply obsessed with like my dream job used to be, um, that I wanted to write all the copy for like pop-up video on VH1. Oh my God. Yeah. And do the research. But now my, that doesn't exist anymore. So now my dream job is like writing what the Spotify genres are. Cause they're obviously all just made up. It's like a wine, <laughs> it's like a, a wine t- taster who's like, Oh, this tastes like slate and tobacco and you know, rubber shoes. And you're like, what? Like, and what? They, it, that's kind of how their playlist sound, you know? And, and also it's real talk. Like they'll have mixes for depression and you know, 100%. I mean, men and whatever you're feeling that day, you could probably Google it and Spotify and it'll come up, you know? It is. There's a lot of people that really, you know, I see people that get on social media and like the word curation doesn't even really exist. It's like, what is it being a curator? And it's like fair play. I, I agree. And I'm like, yeah, who is it for me to tell you what you want to listen to and what you need to be listening to? And it is, it's a hard slog to kind of like put your taste out there, but that's all I'm doing. It's like, I'm giving you a pathway and a guide to open up again, your own music discovery. You don't have to like it. I'm sure there's tons of things that I listen to that people find infinitely annoying. I'm sure I listen to stuff with way too much synth. And that's, that's fine for me. And I know there are a lot of people that like that, but I bet that drives some other people crazy. Um, I also love a sappy song. Like um, I literally have a folder on um, my Spotify. That's like all songs that just make me cry. And it's like, you can turn (laughs) it on and I'm just bawling. Like there's tons of songs like that. And I'm sure that is weird and and uh, so do people did that get turned up in 2020 or i mean obviously yeah <laughs> of those days. the longest playlist i've ever made in my life do you live in any sort of frozen terror when you have to put together a curation i do you know not so much for work but even in my off time like i'm part of this um women's playlist club that's a competition every month and it's themed every month 
And so I'm like terrified to like turn it in because I'm kind of like, oh, one, it's like it has like parameters, like you can only do like 12 songs and um, here's the theme and you can't reuse any song that anybody else has used. So it's like a ton of stress on top of doing this. And I'm like, and my heart rate's going up listening to this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God, this is outside of work. And I like do this for work. So I'm adding a layer of stress on top of it. But <laughs> and you're but, like, as you're putting it together and as you're pressing stand, you're like, don't look name a monster <laughs> i know it's just too much because it's just like you know the last um one was dance was like your favorite dance tracks and like you know dance means a lot to different people and it can mean different things to different mm-hmm. people um to me i totally just went across the the songs that made me feel happy on a dance floor or like always made me like happy as a kid like i put in um Voulez Vous by ABBA, which is the first song I remember ever dancing to with my mom. And that just makes me happy. Classic. It's a that's a killer classic, as I believe we refer to it in the business. (laughs) Yeah, but some people, again, hate ABBA, which I don't understand that to any reason. But oh, my God, don't let me meet them. I know. (laughs) But yeah, there's always an aspect of terror of exposing yourself and showing a little bit of 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 the nuggets inside of you but you just kind of get over it. and if people don't like it it's like hey at least they heard some new music they can decide if they like it they can press a or b so and uh, do you get like what's your feedback like you know are people what's the feedback so far because it's a fairly new program right i mean it's a year a year old yeah, we've been extraordinarily lucky. I mean, Sonos Radio has been around since April of last year. We launched during the pandemic, which is wild. I don't know how we got it um, going. We've been really, really, <laughs> wow, really lucky. Um, and we've gotten such great feedback from people. I think that the thing that people are noticing is that one, um, the artists that we've aligned ourselves with really believe in our vision about music discovery and being their true authentic selves and not really having to program to kind of tick any buttons. They're able to play whatever music they like. When you can say that about somebody like FKA Twigs and Dolly Parton and Tom York and um, like Third Man Records, that they're just kind of bringing what they want to listen to as as music fans, that's huge. Wow. And, and then from the stuff that I work on day to day, making um, stations and playlists and pop up channels and things like that, you know, I've been lucky that people just kind of trust my taste and I've gotten good feedback. Um, I'm not trying to like shock anybody. I'm not trying to like remake the wheel, but I think that people hear the the human curation there and that you know there's songs that you can discover that are new and it's not all the same and for us it is a priority to kind of like surprise and delight people so I, I think we've had a really nice um reception and we're hoping it continues mazel tov to you guys for launching um you know a positive vertical in the midst of a uh, a global pandemic, but particularly during the time where everyone was like, don't touch anything, seal the vents, like we're all going to die. You know, I mean, that first month was two months were pretty harrowing just on a basic psychological level. So survival level. So that's, that's really great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we, 
unfortunately hit a sweet spot that people needed at that time. And I think that, you know, radio and and Sonos's kind of op- modus operandi kind of plugged into that um, need that people had to just kind of be at home and be at home safely. So, yeah, that's one thing in a weird sort of way I feel really proud of that we're able to create content that helped people during this. Yeah, like, hi, I'm Saida. I make hugs for a living. Oh, there you go. what a great <laughs> an audio hug. <laughs> well, let's talk about your 2020. Um, you know, I know that it's it, it's all starting, you know, in hell. But how how was your year? Like, can you give me a you know sort of a highlights reel? Like, <laughs> what what were the obviously work was good carried you through, but like you know, how did you do it? Like, how did you power through last year? It was really tough. I mean, everybody I'm sure would say that at this point. Um, It was hard because, um, I mean, unlike a lot of people, unlike a lot of my friends, um, I was alone during a lot of this and like 99% of it. Um, You know, I'm, I'm single and I don't have kids and I live in a New York city apartment. I mean, lucky, um, I I'm blessed that I have a roomy apartment and I'm in a safe neighborhood, but it's like, you know, I was by myself and like being a person that also I have some health issues. It's like, you know, I have really bad respiratory and allergy um, issues. And so mm-hmm. that that COVID was exactly hitting on that was terrifying. It was really hard. And then just getting to the solitary nature of it all. Um, the loneliness is real. And, you know, I think a lot of us are going to be dealing with the mental out, uh, mental health fall out for that for a lot of years. Um, Agree. This was very traumatizing to a lot of folks. And I, I, I send my love out to anybody who had any serious mental health issues around this. It's like, you know, um, I deal with it day to day. My anxiety is always high and um, I know I need to deal with that, but um, that's about it. I mean, it's just, I think it just wreaked havoc like everyone else. And I probably have been a little bit of a hermit. I don't go out as much. And, you know, I have those points where I just can't deal with talking with people. And then the points where I'm just feel lonely and I would love to talk to somebody. And so it's a, it's a hard balance, but you know, I, I made it and we all, as many of us that could made it, but I'm sure we'll see in coming years, just the effects of this on a lot of folks. Yeah. I mean, everything that you're, saying well I mean let's let's unpack it a little bit first of all I'm so sorry that you had to go through an injury and that feeling that I know so many people went through last year they got either really sick or something was wrong and they were too scared to go to the hospital um I know a lot of people that felt that way and people were self-healing at home and that's not okay but I guess you know before we really I mean hospitals I have a friend who had a baby without her husband, you know, like you couldn't go into the hospital. Really. It was dangerous. They weren't even, my dad had a heart attack when like they had just put up a COVID ward like two days before. And he was like, it's airborne. I'm going to die here. You know, and we couldn't visit him. It was horrible. Like there were so many traumas that happened last year. And like, you know, just to speak to what you're saying about how, we're all going to be feeling this for many years. I feel like 
I'm just now starting to feel like me and my friends are just now starting to feel like the, the PTSD, which is the, the post, you know, it's different when you're in it. Like when you're in it, you're like, I feel like this is really bad. And I, I, I described it, um, as like a slow rolling devastation where nothing happens. Yeah. Everything's happening outside, but everything's happening inside your heart and your mind. And you're trapped in your four walls with whoever you're with. And, you know, for like, you just happen to be in the lot of people that first of all, in New York, that's full apartment living and, and it's extreme proximity. If you go anywhere in the United States, there's only a few places that are as compacted as New York. So it's very unique. Um, I know that that's not the case, you know, in, you know, Europe and, and Asia and other places, but for, for America, we're pretty suburban and spread out. So, you know, in New York, you know, all my friends here are like, I didn't even want to get in the elevator. I don't know who's breathing in the elevator, you know, super trapped inside. And then, um, you know, on top of that, to go through it alone is a completely different experience than being with even your child or a partner who you can't stand or a partner that you love, or maybe, you know, if you're blessed, a family or, you know, a lot of everybody was going all over the place. I have friends that were shacking up with friends. I have couples that were, had just started dating that moved in together. I had lots of, you know, and then I have a lot of, there's some major divorces this year too. I mean, that's just real. But there is this one thing I've thought about all my single friends, um, in this year about 1 million times. And there is this, you know, I kind of want to ask you about this actually, because, you know, just in case there's other people out there who can relate to this, but going through something that horrifying and scary alone, I mean, as hard as it is, there has to be some sort of, you, you know, there's no escape. So you, to me, it seems like a very, like a forced resilience that maybe other people don't, didn't get the chance to experience in a, in, in, in a way that could end up actually creating this independence or this source of, I have my own back that like could end up being a helpful tool that you maybe wouldn't have been able to acquire had you not, had you, had you had a a crutch or a community, right? Yeah. I mean, I do. I think that it forced me to, I mean, and this sounds lame from like a 40 plus year old person, but I feel like it forced me to grow up a little bit. Um, I had to really one reckon with my own mortality, like thinking about, okay, things that I took for granted could harm me or kill me or change me irreparably. Then also because, you know, um, I have family and they, my mom's by herself now. My dad passed away a few years ago and my aunt is by herself. It's like, I'm thinking about them as well. So I'm like, and being a distance away where I can't get to them, which that is a very new concept for me. I am the type that I go home all the time to see my family, like to the point where people made fun of me of how much I go home and how, like how I always see my family. But this is the first time I have not been home in a year since, I don't know, ever, like didn't go home for my first Christmas and those sort of things. And then I'm thinking about 
like what life is like without them and like to the to that extreme of like what it what life is like without them and that for me was very scary being an only child and so yeah yeah I think it is a forced resilience tell me about like what carried you because there were some you know shared we all kind of had to share the same pop culture moments we all watched the same stuff we all you know I think I noticed that everybody finally came out of the fucking closet and stopped pretending that they were thriving. And everyone was just like, I want to die. Like, which I think is nice about our, that's the only good thing, you know, that kind of counters that disgusting influencer culture, which I, I was hoping COVID would kill, but didn't not influencers, but the culture of it. Yeah. You know, um, I, (laughs) You know, it's it's trite to say, but, you know, I watched a lot of of TV and I think that, you know, watching kind of really good writing and um, great stuff really helped. I mean, just taking my mind off of because, I mean, I worked continuously through it. It's like I think I only took one week off almost of that time. I mean, I'm pretty much a workaholic and this is something that I'm working on in 2021 about trying (laughs) to do um, vacations and things for myself. But um, yeah, I only took like obviously my weekends and then a week off. And um, so I work continuously. So being able to filter out the noise helped. having friends that like just small things like snail mail really like people sending i have a a great friend named celeste shout out to celeste she's wonderful um that sends postcards and you know just having that little ray of sunshine like pop into your mailbox you don't um think about it and that really helped that is such a good one snail mail snail mail cheered me up so much this year i did make an effort I did send some snail mail, including some baby feet. Nice. Yes, you did. I enjoyed my baby feet. Still working with it right now. Um, I am so invested in your in your baby in your baby foot journey. Tell tell the people what baby foot is. So baby foot is our baby feet is like this um, glycolic peel for your feet that just makes them super smooth that they're like rough and ashy and awful um and so you wear these little booties around the house for like an hour and then your feet yeah they have like this glycolic acid and your feet just peel like you've been part of a zombie apocalypse and it's literally you leave foot skin everywhere you go it's really gross and disgusting but it's also just intriguing and so um aviva sent me this pack of baby feet and um it's this one has been particularly gnarly like it's just <laughs> wild how much foot skin is just everywhere and like yeah, it's, I, it's uh, satisfying in that like popping your zit kind of way like it's obviously gross but like everyone's like obsessed like when you're doing it you're like Ugh, I hate myself but you're I like, know but then you're like that was so awesome you know I mean that's I probably would bucket that in with like taking care of myself and like doing home like remedies and silly things like that has really helped um you know it also just showed me when you're in an area by yourself all the time like um it showed me my hoarding tendencies which I knew I had but it's just like (laughs) really out of control so I've been like obsessed with like putting stuff out on the street I have a thing that I'm like 
once a week I have to put something out on the street. So that's been great. Um, Wait, wait, question. Yep. Did you get inspired by like any of the Netflix shows or a book or just friends or was it just a natural like I got to get shit out of my apartment? It's a natural. I got to get shit out of my apartment. It's like looking around. I was like, literally was like, I don't need to buy another fucking thing for the rest of my life. I was like, <laughs> if you need it, just take a look around. You've got it. Okay. Well, these are good ones. Did you, do you have any other blessings in 2020? People stepped up. Like I had a lot of friends that really stepped up in different ways. And you start realizing that those are the people, um, that you meet across your journey, that you really kind of bring them into your side. There are a lot of people that help you across your way. And it's like, it's okay that they may drift off or that you may not be as close to them anymore. But um, I really have to say that a lot of people stepped up for me and that it really um, reminded me why that person was in my life. So I was extraordinarily thankful for that. That is a real blessing. That is a real blessing. Are you vaccinated? I am fully vaxxed, yeah. But I'm like, okay. oh, two weeks and four days, so, yeah. Oh, hey! I mean, the fact that, you know, we, I'm, I'm vaccinated too. By the way, got um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and I got it at, you know, everybody has these really, like, touching vaccine stories where they're like, I hugged the nurse, and or I was crying mm-hmm. in a month so much, and I can't wait to see my parents. I got like one of those last minute cancellation things where they're like, if you can get down here, we, (laughs) so I went to the NYPD community center on like Atlantic way down in, in Brooklyn, maybe, maybe closer to Jamaica even. And wow. Yeah. And, um, it was, I was like, Oh my God, the cops are going to like my mortal enemy, the people I'm trying to defund are about to like save my life. I know. <laughs> so it's like, well, and of course everybody there was like so nice, you know, they're just public servants. They're not all, you know, I know I went in, I went in there being like, fuck you guys. And then I left being like, like a yeah. stupid idiot. But anyways, the guy who did give me my shot was like a young Irish, you know, he was in his twenties. He would like had the full like Staten Island accent. And he was like, um, he's like trying to joke with me and he was being so nice. This is why it's so fucked up. He was like, yeah, you know, this is the only time that we can, uh, injure the public and you, and n- nobody complains. You, you, we, you can't complain. And, I, no, and he was like, ha, ha, ha. and I was like, I can't explain to you how, like I was about to lose my Jewish fucking mind and be like, do you know how fucked up that is? I know. Like, and, and it was like right before the George, uh, the Derek Chauvin trial. I was just like, can you not make that joke? Can you? Po-? And then, you know, he's like, oh, all we want to do is like drink with my friends in a bar. And I'm like, uh, OK, well, that was a, a horrible New York accent. But yeah, he's like, I want to I want to just want to drink with my friends in the bar and like be shoulder to shoulder. And I was like, yeah, I just want to get into street fights with men and like punch them, you know, and um <laughs> So he kind of laughed at that, but that was my little protest. I was all like, bust her out because I was also you. very emotional that I was getting the vaccine. I know. But from it's, this it kid. From a kid, literally. I know. Yeah, I had nothing but young Air Force kids and they were so, all so nice. I was just Aww. like, but yeah, they're totally into it. They're just like, I think they, for them, it was like, I mean, they're getting out of probably having to do any other active duty or whatever, but just like getting to stab people with a needle all day. Sure. But also, I'm sure that like they see people just being emotional and happy and 
thanking them all day. Like it does feel good to be, it was a good process. Like everybody was happy, you know, it was good. It was a nice, it was still nice, but it just wasn't touching. It was really. Yeah. All right. It's time for the speed round. Let's go. It's time for the speed round. Let's get into it. Are you ready? I am prepared. This is going to be great. I'm going to go through them and you're just going to say really quick yes or no if they annoy you. If something in particular sticks in your craw, we can talk about it. But we're going through speed rounds. Ready? Love it. Yes. <laughs> Let's do okay. it. FaceTiming on a hike. Annoying. This one's this one I think is universal, but any work-related calls or texts before normal office hours or on weekends. Yeah, that's understandable but annoying nonetheless. Plastic cutlery that can't hold up to the food that it's provided for. <laughs> so annoying, especially the knives. It's like I need you to cut this chicken breast and you're really not cooperating right now. Yeah. That I means like throwable. Picnics are picnics are rough. Okay. Any, uh, oh, people who use French words to show off, but they actually don't really speak French. I'm going to give them a pass because even though I study French and actually had a minor in it, um, my French is pretty not great. And I will toss in the French word too. And I have no shame <laughs> about it. When do you use it? Um, sometimes when I'm making a point, like, that French words are perfect for making a point where you're like too sweet or uh, uh, like immediately like where you just want to like throw in a point like like right now or <laughs> I, I had a boyfriend a few years ago and we went to um, a wedding in France and when the the bride was uh, French and I, you know, I studied French in high school. But anyways, I told him I could speak French because in my head, I can. I can. I've been to France a million times. I used to go with my family, you know, whatever. Um, so we get there. And of course, I'm I'm one of those dodos that knows like three words. I'm like, you know, he was like, you dumb bitch. Like he was so embarrassed. Like I was I kept trying to order in French with a French accent at restaurants. And he would just be everyone there speaks English. He would just be like, yeah, we'll have the hamburger. Like, sorry. I'm sure I am positive that guy went on to tell like whoever his next girlfriend was that I was the worst. But I pretended I spoke French. I was, he fully, I, I tried, I I really tried to flex, you know, if you could speak any (laughs) other language, you got to flex it. Um, Okay, sorry, this isn't a speed round because we're talking about every single point. But the next one is people who overshare and say, sorry, I don't have a filter. (laughs) (laughs) No way. (laughs) Like you can, you're just going to say whatever you want and then just be like, sorry, I don't have a filter. (laughs) That's full. Yeah, that's fully annoying. Like, don't, don't, don't um, excuse your, your overshare. Sometimes you say stuff and it's as you're saying it, you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like I'm losing, but sorry, I don't have a filter. It makes you suck. <laughs> you yeah. Suck. 100%. Um, okay. People who say that sarcasm is their sense of humor. <laughs> Annoying. Oh my God. I've never heard that. Thank God. Oh my God. I have. 
Like, I also see it on Twitter a lot where it's like, like try having, it's called sarcasm. Look it up. You know, those type of people. Uh, that's the worst. Yeah. The twi- that's the, tw- the, the Twitter people that just didn't write their like little tweet correctly or just like, all right, just be clear about what you're saying. You don't need to excuse your bad tweeting. For sarcasm. Also is, like, is sarcasm funny? Is it funny? No. It's supposed I to be feel dry like it was funny in the 90s. Bitter. It was like very edgy in the 90s to just be deadpan. Yeah. Or sarcastic. But like, I just, I don't find myself chuckling when I hear sarcasm too often. Okay. Well, I think that's the end of our speed round. I like that. That was fun. (laughs) It wasn't that speedy, but I thought it was pretty good. Okay. And now it's really time for my favorite part of the show. Great Jewish women. Great Jewish women. They're really great. Yeah. Do you have a great Jewish woman that you have in mind, Saida, that you want to share with us? I do. Um, I am a big fan. Of the one and only Barbara Streisand. Oh, yes. Nobody's done Babs yet. Do you go Babs on. is kind of amazing. There's just so many tears of greatness to her. And also, I mean, she's just kind of the full on package for me. It's like one, obviously, let's get past the stuff we already know. Voice of voice of silk, voice of a generation. <laughs> Um, nails of a generation, nose of a generation, profile <laughs> of a generation, hair of a generation. I mean, she's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, every every element of her that's feminine is is iconic, and like you can recognize it in a in a in a line art drawing of her yeah. in any way. She's, yeah. a, she's an icon of a generation. I mean, those things alone are great. It's you know, I love that she has been relentlessly herself for I mean how many decades I'm going to give her I don't want to age her too much and have her like send like a salty email if I overage her but I'm going to give her yeah she listens I'm going to I'm telling you um I'm going to give her five decades I'll be like five decades of Babs just being kind of on top of everything it's like she conquered movies music culture politics she's just involved in everything But there's some things about her that I just find really amazing. Number one, she has a shopping mall in her house. Wait, I've heard about this. She doesn't want to leave. She's not shopping outside. I mean, granted, could she shop outside? She would be swamped by women. Like, uh, knowing the (laughs) boutique, she's probably going to. I mean, she's going to the the upscale. She's going to the good places. Those ladies have no shame about swamping. She would be swamped. Um, I love that literally those designers that she works with and that she loves send the stuff to her house and they stock it in her mall at her house like it's a regular boutique and she shops like oh my god that to me is so next level diva that i i I mean that so covid for her wasn't was no thing because she was just doing what she always does inside living the outside life inside her palace I think there's a famous Oprah episode where like she takes Oprah to her house. I don't think she had the mall built then, but she had everything else. She has a working farm, like a movie theater, like her house was just on another level. I mean, I love that she has built herself 
like what a, a girl from Brooklyn built her own like iconic living legend sort of house for herself. Good on you. She what a queen, and she was married to Elliot Gould, which is like which is a whole. Not, I'm getting to the men. The men is the next level. Oh, I mean, okay, keep going. Wait, I, 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 okay, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. I her relationship with James Brolin is mysterious, and I love that it's just something that is obviously. She lets just enough out. She lets little nuggets out of like their relationship that you can tell it's like fun and cheeky and he totally digs her. She totally digs him, but he understands that she wears the pair pants in the relationship. <laughs> that is fantastic. percent. This is Barbara's party and you're coming along for the ride. It also, I mean, it, it seems like the rest of his, like his kids get it too. So it's like, it's kind of wild. He's a goy. Mm-hmm. He's a goy. I mean, how do you go from Elliot Gold too, who's like also the most Jewish? He was so hot when he was young. I mean, get it, Babs. He was so sexy. Yeah, whenever Twitter does, it's like annual. Like, do you remember how hot Elliot Gould was? It's kind of like, (laughs) wow. He comes up a lot, actually. He's on rotation on Twitter. He's, yeah, I'm. I he's. I love him. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram is a delight. Oh. It's a pure joy. Her and Martha it. Stewart are like, yeah, they're just, they truly are like unbothered. They're just I think doing it what is. they want. I wonder if it's having a working farm. Like, does that just make you a better person? Like, Maybe I just need to get involved and have my own working farm and shit will just kind of work There's out for so me. so few women who are just unfathomably wealthy that weren't, that either didn't marry into it or inherit it. There's so few like multimillionaire women. Um, and so I think that when you get to that level of just actually being able to have what every woman wants, which is a farm, probably yep. a petting zoo and like a bathroom that's like no one's allowed in, like no, like not even your children. That is, <laughs> it's just impossible for you to be stressed out. Like these women are glowing. I mean, Barbara looks amazing for her age. So does um, Jane Fonda. So does Martha Stewart. And it's because they, they're righteous dudes. Like they, they're good people and they don't have any, I mean, Dolly Parton, these are happy, wealthy women that carved their shit out and made their dreams come true. Oprah, Oprah's the same. Oprah's not stressed. I love that. That is true. Yeah, very much so. All those ladies, very unbothered, like living their best lives. Back so much. I mean, I'm not saying that Martha Stewart is like the greatest philanthropist. (laughs) I think she's like not, but um, but they're all they don't. You know, these are positive role models. (laughs) I love that, and I mean. And then, yeah, like I wanted to bring up her Instagram, but if you don't follow Babs on Instagram, please do it immediately. It is a delight. I mean, she just like tosses off like it's kind of very Martha Stewart that she's like, oh, hanging out with my custom popcorn maker. Just wanted to say hi. Like just cute <laughs> little things like that. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, let me remind you. Let me remind you real quick. I'm Barbara Streisand, but I still am kind of like I'm still giving you a little wink and nod. I'm still that girl from Brooklyn and have a good day. <laughs> I love her 
the discovery that she and Tiffany Haddish are like best friends or like really, really good friends. My favorite really? thing ever. Yeah. Apparently like she and Babs like chatted up and, and, and like hang out. Like they both posted it on their socials. I was like that. Oh that my makes God. me happy. That, ugh. can you imagine how, how hard Tiffany Haddish makes Barbara Streisand laugh? She had a proper full-on Hollywood bat mitzvah. Wow. I did not know that. Good for yeah, her. So I wonder if Babs helped her out. That would be amazing. But like, how, how do you think they got together? Because they don't ha- like, what do they have in common aside from Judaism? I don't know. You never know. If like, may- I mean, funny ladies, maybe Babs is secretly funny and we just That's don't know. That's what I'm th- Yeah, she doesn't strike me as funny at all. She's just pure glamour. So I... I love this. I want, I want to hear, I want to like hear what they talk about. Oh man. But apparently, I mean, I just did a little Google and they have dinner all the time. Babs <laughs> got her a uh, bat mitzvah gift. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I, th- they're, they're growing down. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with this. What, what a couple of cuties. I love it. I want, I'm going to, I'm going to lean heavy into that. Maybe Barbara has a secret sense of humor. We don't know about a hundred percent because Tiffany Haddish isn't going to hang out with like boring, boring Boring people. Yeah. You know, I mean, she might soak up like a boring icon and Malcolm Gladwell or, you know, somebody who's a little, she might, she might soak that up over, over, over one dinner, but like, or a dinner party or a party, but she's not going to go to someone's house. Who's like a complete snooze fest, you know? Absolutely. She doesn't She her mind is too quick. Did you, by the way, did you see her in, um, Oh my God, bad trip. On Netflix I have not watched it yet. Oh my God. Eric Andre's new movie. It is. It's basically a Jack. It's like jackass. Which we haven't seen a jackass movie or any content in so long. So it, it's like the perfect time to bring that kind of thing back. But it's it, it's Eric Andre, who's a psychopath, you know? He's totally I love that. out of his fucking mind. It is so dumb and so funny. Like it's 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 so it's like if it's better than Jackass, but it is he's crazy. I'm gonna watch it this weekend. She's she's actually bonkers in this movie. Like the best part is the credits. Just watch the whole movie and then wait for the credits. You will die. So funny. Um, cool. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much. Sai. I, you have the best great Jewish woman ever segment so far. I think in my, in my humble opinion, I mean, she comes in a hot number two to you, obviously, as if we're going to talk about broads that I could get down with. So, I mean, well, but I hope Babs I mean, is shining. She's a she's a unicorn. She just shines light on on us all. I would love to see her. I would love to see her in a Vegas residency and just go get on my little like you know tr- Boca tracksuit with my girls and get some you know go out there. I hate Las Vegas, but I love a Las Vegas residency. Like oh. I will go there for a residency. <laughs> we'll start saving your coins. I will say. Uh, confidentially, I know somebody that went to see Babs at uh, Barclays Center and she had really good seats and she showed me the ticket stub and the amount for the seat for a floor seat literally leveled me. I was like, 
understanding. Can, can, you, can you reveal how much it, it was? was? I think it was around like a fourteen or fifteen hundred dollar seat. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, that's breaking it in. I, I mean, no. Listen, I take all my money, like her, Beyonce, all the people that truly give us so much. Like, I want them to rake it in, as you say. Like, yes. But I just don't want to pay that much. But I also want to sit front row. So, like, what are we going to do about this? Like, this is classism. This is not fair. <laughs> if we figure it out for Vegas, we'll have to get on a craps table, win the money, and then we'll immediately. It's going to be a scene from any sorts of Hollywood dude movie. You win a ton of money. You go to a it's show. It's going to be like Ocean's Eleven, except just to get into like the the heist is like getting front row at <laughs> Babs show, Babs okay. residency. Love it. Um. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Can you, can you also tell everybody your, what your social media is? Well, I am Cybella, S-A-I-B-E-L-L-A, N-Y-C on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm Saida B, S-A-I-D-A-H-B. And um, yeah, that's where you can catch me when I log on to the internet. But listen, when we are back to socializing, we have to get together. I know. I'm I'm excited. It's me and you. Drinks. Me and you and a, a bunch of delicious food. Like I want to get like I, I want to see my friends at like fancy restaurants because I saved a million dollars last year from not going to eat. Same. So I'm ready to treat myself like whenever I want to. <laughs> Let's make it happen. And I love that you're here on the East Coast a little bit more. So and uh, you know what? Maybe when the planes get so a little debugged, I'll come and uh, see you on the West Coast. Yeah, but I, I will say, don't don't move to LA. I used to I used to beg you to move out there. I take it all back. Don't move <laughs> there. Or don't move there. Worst culture ever. <laughs> um, but anyways, okay. Well, I love you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. This is great. And, I love you too. And I'll see you soon in person. Thanks. Okay, so I like to end each show now with something that I like. So. This week, I want to give some love to Topo Chico. Now, if you, I don't know if Topo Chico is available in all regions. I don't even know if it's available in other countries. But if you don't know what Topo Chico is, it is a, it is a violent, like the only way to describe it is that it's a violent mineral water, sparkling water. Um, but I've been super into like abusive foods and beverages lately. Um, you know, I drink kombucha, which is, and I don't drink ones with like a bunch of sugar. And I'm like, I drink the punishing kombucha. Um, I'd make a painfully dense ginger tea where I take like fresh ginger and turmeric and I smush them up and basically squeeze them into like a dry patty through a fine strainer and then add hot water and drink it like tea. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not pleasant. Like I gag, you know, on all of these things, but I feel so much better after I drink them. So that's kind of my relationship with, um, with Topo Chico. And so, you know, every time I go into the fridge and I open it up and I'm, I, I see it and I'm going in for it, it's like a slow-mo face-off where I'm like, no, I'm, you will not dominate me. Like I'm, I'm going to win this time. I'm going to win this, this round. And then I drink it and it hurts and all that stuff. But 
It is so delicious. And the other thing is it never loses its, carb- its carbonation. So for, you know, the other Topo Drinko fans out there, you guys feel me. Like it, you can leave that shit open for five days and it'll still have the same carbonation. I don't know what cancer causing chemical that is, but like that's my, that's how I want to die drinking Topo Chico. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if you've never tried it before, go test it out. See, see what it's like. They need to replace, they need to replace Perrier with Topo Chico in restaurants. Like, don't give me that dumb, weak, sparkling water. It's, it's all about the challenge. It's, it kind of feels like in, in the movies where, in those old movies where like a woman is hysterical and she's, she's yelling or having a meltdown at some man. And then he slaps her straight and then they kiss at the end. And it's like, you're like, Oh my God. So it's, it, that is exactly the same feeling as what it's like drinking Topo Chico. So shout out to whoever makes it. You're doing a great job, sweetie. Anyhow, thank you, Saida, for doing the podcast. She was a great guest. And thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, Don't forget to sign up at our Patreon at patreon.com. Everything is annoying. And follow me on Twitter at Vivers. And find us on Instagram and do all that stuff. Because the truth is, is I need to build a following so that I can someday make this podcast bigger and reach more people and... It's hard to do and I hate doing it and I kind of hate being online except for Twitter. I love Twitter. So um, yeah, and I'll see you guys over there. All right, we'll see you next week. Everything is Annoying is created and written by me, Vivia Al. It's edited and engineered by Sammy Cuneo. Our original theme song is written and performed by Mark Rivers. Our logo is designed by Thunderwing. Original artwork by Akiko Starenberger. And our website is by Candor Branding, based in New York.